Okay, you guys. <laughs> it's Andy's girls. I really couldn't tell you what episode it is. I feel like you guys think I'm like joking when I say I don't know. I truly don't know. It could be seven at this point. <laughs> it's a couple years in. Um, I think it's 122 or 123. I don't know. Maybe it's like 236. Who is to say? Um, so here's the deal. I am so excited for um, a fabulous conversation with Kate Chastain, star of Below Deck, who, if you follow me on social media, you know was announced as this week's guest. I got some great satchels of gold from you guys. And unfortunately, this morning, her boat just got stuck at the dock. You know, these things happen. She had an afternoon charter. They asked for a tablescape with like extra diamonds from a mine somewhere. And um, so she's going to be on probably next week's um, ep because um, she'll definitely be on next week because in just a hot second, I'm hopping on a flight to spend money I certainly do not have in gay Paris um, doing that little trip to Barcelona. But before I go, I am this dedicated to Andy's Girls. Remember when I like would take a couple months off <laughs> and it was like, hey guys, I'll see you in about seven weeks <laughs> or maybe tomorrow. Who's to say? Um, so I wanted to talk to you guys because last night's episode episode, premiere episode, I don't know, series finale, possibly. The style was a little different. Um, But I loved it. Great. Um, You know, Dallas happened last night. Shit is going down in OC um, and Potomac had its penultimate episode. How is that possible that the season ends next week? I mean, OC feels like it's been on for decades, like literally this season and Potomac is almost done. And that is deeply upsetting to me. So anyway, I wanted to talk to you guys about it. Because so much happened. Um, so first, shout out to Kate Justine if you're listening. Um, love you to bits. And uh, we're going to record together like in a hot second. Maybe I'll cancel my trip. I mean, honestly, you guys, really, the experience would be priceless. Um, so lot going on. Where do we begin? I think we should begin with the worst show on television and then like work our way up. So OC. So here's the thing. I've had a conversation with several of you guys when you slide into my DMs and comment. You know, I love that. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Instagram at Dame Galley, Twitter at Sarah Galley. Thank you so much. I'm no longer private. Here to serve. Um, that sounds terrible. So I um, have gotten a lot of DMs from y'all. Slide on in. And, you know, there's been the sense of like, there's stuff that's interesting this season like there are pieces to discuss thing obviously there's always something to talk about but maybe the overarching narrative of OC is like not great and I got a satchel of gold that I thought was really really interesting from Wendy in Baton Rouge Wendy shout out to you serious question is the Real Housewives of Orange County worth watching? I'm just so bored with these women. I haven't even tuned in. And I watch every season of every franchise, including Miami and DC. Yes, Wendy. Um, with some emoji. And she says, if you didn't have the podcast, would you be watching Orange County? 
That is a layered question, Wendy, of DC. And I need to think about that for a second. I mean, it's a very good question. Is Orange County worth watching? I mean, my thing is with this beloved Housewives franchise that we love so much, is it worth watching? Well, I think that's a larger question. There have been franchises with seemingly unwatchable seasons or seasons that were difficult to get through. Um, I can't think of one on the top of my head applying to New York. I would say personally, the first season of Dallas and for me personally, the first season of Potomac were difficult. I would say this past season of Beverly Hills was both difficult and frustrating. Um, And Orange County last season, I would say, was was pretty bad. But because of my dedication, I would say, I, I watch because I sort of believe in the overarching theme and universe. And I think that even when there are bad seasons, or especially when there are bad seasons, there are like little nuggets and glimpses of these women that can be very informative. Um, And especially when I think the women know that the season hasn't been received well, that can sometimes be really interesting when the next season happens. Cause you know, going in that they have heard from the Bravo universe as has Bravo HQ. And that can sometimes influence and affect how these women behave. It also means that when women, when these women, maybe it's like a great season, but the women aren't seen as being great or there's calls for their, you know, being fired and all that, that can also influence their um, behavior in future seasons. It can make them more interesting, even if it's not organic. It can make them a little bit more terrified of losing their spot in their diamond, apple, kumquat, whatever the fuck it is. Um, And that can make a kind of almost like paranoia that's interesting to watch. Um, it's a very long winded version of saying, if I didn't have the podcast, would I still be watching? I would, but I wouldn't be watching as often as I do now. Like when I watch episodes now, I, as you guys know, I typically hate watching episodes live. I really do. Aside from New York, that might be the one exception. And even there, um, I, I pretty much don't watch the majority live. Um, I, I typically watch the next morning. Um, So I would still be watching the episodes, but I wouldn't be watching as often because I watch once, usually the morning after the episodes aired, and then I'll watch at least a second time directly related to preparing for AG. So um, it's just to jog my memory and also because I have TV ADD and often don't give it my full focus the first time I'm watching, I can absolutely miss important moments. Like this week in OC, I completely missed the conversation with Gina and Shannon. (laughs) the first go around. And I missed some of like Bronwyn's desperation, which I was so excited to see um, the second time. Um, And the weirdness with her mom. I'm like, there's such an interesting thing with OC and these women and their mothers um, and their kids. So if I didn't have the podcast, I would still be watching. I wouldn't be as dedicated to like looking for like nuggets of information and windows into these women's souls. Um, I'd be curious 
what it is like as a viewer, uh, as a listener rather of Andy's Girls, how it is to hear recaps of Orange County. If you're not watching, that would actually be, I think, I think that would be interesting. I think that's the way out of it. Um, obviously, I, I'm not like recommending this season of OC so far. I think there's a lot of darkness that's happening that I don't know in the moment I guess I'm interested in but as soon as it's over I could care less and while I feel for Gina and Emily I'm also like what is happening P.S. Gina's ex-husband to be or whatever Matt was charged with like a couple felonies and I think she took out some sort of restraining order against him recently because of that domestic violence thing situation crisis incident uh that happened um a little earlier um it doesn't seem like it's a it's a great spot obviously she's going through it and in her conversations with Shannon you know in the in the teaser for next week as well she's talking about how she put on this whole big this whole big act because she didn't want anybody to know about the affair and um all of that makes sense but it's hard for me personally to go through her story noting that we have never seen him. P.S. He's asking for child support now. It came out that her salary for OC is like $63,000 or something insane like that. And he was making, I want to say like 400K plus probably bonuses. And now he's making zero because he said he was forced to quit after, forced to resign after the domestic violence incident and is asking for a cut of her like $5.34, which is something I mean that is a look is what that is um so you know I mean kudos to all of you who don't watch OC and um and listen to to AG I think that this isn't a season that I would recommend per se, but I do think that even really, really bad seasons, there's stuff that comes out of it. The problem for that is that sometimes you don't realize like the importance of even shitty seasons within a larger franchise structure until after the, after the fact. Um, and, you know, watching Emily and Shane, first off, some AG listeners, shout outs to you, sent me a screenshot. I'm so sorry I forget the name of the IG account, but somebody like searched in the California Legal Whatever Association, yada, yada, and Shane's not listed, which means it's more than likely that he failed the bar. Like... I know it took JFK Jr. a couple tries, but this is not for him. Plus, didn't Emily refer to him this week as a lawyer? Which, okay, all right, cool. Is that, I guess I am a lawyer as well because I have looked things up on Google. So I guess I'm also like a private investigator. Spoiler alert, Brooks does not have cancer. Um, yeah, that whole situation makes me super sad because... I don't know that Emily is the type of person to walk away if she's deeply unhappy and it's like probably filtering to her kids. She seems like someone in communications with Shane that's constantly placating him at total risk to her own mental health and self-care. She seems really frustrated that she's married someone who has literally no interest in hearing her talk and does not understand what a feeling is. But I don't know how she reacts to that within the construct of their marriage. Obviously, she overreacts when she's like stressed out, angry at women, 
at angry at the women wanting to defend her husband, which she did with like telling Kelly she wanted to murder her or whatever, which was, you know, one of her finer moments, uh, truly. Um, but when it comes to talking with him, she seems so diminutive or maybe that's just resigned because she's like, oh, right. You just keep reminding me that you are like not the kind of partner that I need. I mean, he's not a law partner and he's not really a marital one either. He's just kind of there. I felt for him actually in that confessional or productions like, do you miss her? And he's awkwardly laughing and being like, should I, this is where I'd want to be sarcastic because he's obviously a terrible husband and definitely an asshole, but he truly seems so ill at ease on camera and uncomfortable with this that it makes me so curious as to what their conversation slash, you know, iChat, Google Messenger, whatever, you know, like how they propose. Um, and how that kind of conversation negotiation happened within their family of should she do this or not. You know, it's also interesting that they've spent so much time on Shane setting for the bar. And it's like, have we ever seen Emily in office? Like, have we ever seen her as a, I think she's a contract attorney. Like, have we ever seen those scenes? I can't think of any. I can think of her saying I'm an attorney and also a party planner. And frankly, we haven't seen evidence of either. But I would be curious to see how she is as an attorney because she's in such a vulnerable position in these moments where we're looking at a really fragile slash crumbling marriage. I would like to see Emily when she is in control of herself, when she feels like she's in control. Um, And I, and I guess, you know, Wendy and Baton Rouge, this all ties back to the fact that like, I'm really not enjoying watching this season of Orange County. Um, It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but also I'm shielded by the horror show that was the second half of Beverly Hills. But there are things in conversations that can still happen. And even if I don't think this cast is terrific um, as a whole, because they are really disconnected, there are still little moments that just kind of get me thinking. Um, I have another satchel of gold from Lindsay in San Jose. What is the psychological deal behind Emily tolerating the giant horse turd? Oh my God, that's in his LinkedIn. That is Shane. He's openly saying on camera that he doesn't care about his family, LOL. She sugarcoats things to Gina at the nail salon, but then takes it out by verbally lacerating people on Twitter. Oh, that's interesting. I guess that's kind of her thing. Do we think she's holding on for dear life before the divorce announcement, or does she have an actual issue and need therapy? both question mark. Um, well, first off, everybody needs therapy. I highly encourage it. I've been in it for a year and it is the best and worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) I know like, you know, the sprint is, it can be kind of terrible, but you know, the marathon is, it's probably also terrible. Um, no, I really, it's, it's great. And everyone should be in it. Certainly they should be in it, but can you imagine saying to Shane, like, let's go talk to somebody. He would be like, I don't want to talk to you. Why would we put another person? He is the opposite of a train. He, he doesn't even have like tracks. Like there's nothing there. He doesn't want to like involve himself or be a part of really anything that's un- unrelated to like hotel tonight. I don't know. Um, and that's just for him and himself. That's like literally not for anybody else. Um, why is this happening? Listen, I think Emily's super depressed. I think that she would tell you she's super depressed. And when you're super depressed, it's hard to like leave depressing environments because you don't feel like you can. And I think Emily is living inside of a dark storm cloud right now. And she knows that it's not great. She knows that it's raining, but she doesn't know like how an umbrella works. Like she doesn't feel like she can even protect herself 
um, in the most superficial way. And Shane's sense of humor is so he's like a he's a really unfunny person. Um, I think he thinks he's sarcastic and sarcasm isn't in and of itself humor. It has there has to be something else there at the core. And he just comes off as mean because he doesn't seem like he has a lot of humor. And Emily seems like someone who wants a joie de vivre in a partner and wants to have fun. I mean, the downward spiral of this whole dance stripper burlesque thing with her like bringing that up. It's just, sweetie, why are we doing this? Is this like something that production told you to do? Your husband's not interested. It makes me sad that she's like sort of practicing for this thing. And I'm thinking like, does she even really want to do this? Like, I would be kind of sad if I was performing something for friends that I said that I wanted to perform for my husband. You know, I guess it's making orange juice out of spoiled oranges, but I don't know. It just feels kind of like expired to the spirit. Um, that's a lot of descriptive words. Um, you know, I hope the divorce announcement comes. Someone said last week, you know, hopefully she'll announce it at the reunion a la Bador. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's incredibly obvious that they need to part ways. Um, but I also don't understand their relationship. And had I seen it in the good times, I probably would have been more than likely repelled. So I don't really know what the measurement is for this. Um, because it's not obvious to me that this was ever like a healthy, there's no normal relationship, but this is like, doesn't seem like it was ever started with any sense of normalcy. And she seems really open with his family. And I just wonder, is that why she's staying? Remember that episode of Sex in the City 1764 years ago when Carrie was in love with, um, what's his face, uh, Thoreau, and he was a mess and like couldn't fuck her or something, but she loved his family um, and she didn't want to break up with him. And I don't know that that's the same situation as what's happening with the Simpsons, but maybe Emily needs support. And if she gets it from her mother-in-law, sometimes that can be like the bandaid over the bigger wound. I really don't know. It's sad. It's not fun to watch. It's sad. Gina freaking out is sad. There has to be some fun. And the problem with OC right now is it's so manufactured. So Shannon and Tamara and Vicky think like dancing or gyrating or like Bronwyn cutting in a little bit is fun. And it just doesn't feel fun. Now, I think Bronwyn was an excellent choice. I love her you know, freaking out about lying and then being like, I do want them to like me. Oh, I don't or whatever. And that weird conversation with her mother, I'm here for that. I think she's, I think she's interesting. She's not, you know, I wouldn't put her obviously on like Dorinda's level or Margaret Joseph's, but she's interesting. All things considered in the context, they could have done worse is what I'm saying. Um, and I'm curious to see how her journey this season will go on, but it sucks to me that there's not really like organic fun that's happening in Orange County. And that's what makes it difficult for me because there's a difference between like sitting through seasons and actually enjoying them. And having suffered through Beverly Hills, I would have um, expected a little bit more. Um, P.S. I'm as bad a liar as Bronwyn. I constantly got in trouble as a child and continue that this uh, to this day. I get my voice gets very high pitched and I blush and I like start laughing. I can't do it. So um, things to know when I interview, I don't know. 
Kelly or something. I don't know. Um, not Kelly Dot Kelly Kalorn. Anyway, moving on. So two more shows happen. I want to talk a little bit about Dallas. Um, Steve Campbell, I think, is going to essentially be the new housewife on Dallas. Spoiler alert, we do have a man. He's holding a horseshoe or whatever. He's an interesting party planner because I think the second that Leanne and he decided to work together and who knows what that deal is, he like put all of his social media that he's like Steve of Real Housewives of Dallas. And there's something so great about these shows. It can really help people who are in event industries and who are vendors and stuff. It's just so comical to me that it's like becoming a real thing with him. But this wedding is like, it's really happening. And it seems like they're is, you know, going to be a time, I guess it has already happened, where Le- Leanne has decided that Deandra is not to set foot in that chapel. And it's fascinating to me because you look at the dynamic with Deandra and Leanne, and you look at Leanne season one, which I couldn't stand her. Um, but when she was all about society and charity, and she's like, it's all about charity and society. But what she meant was it's all really about like how you're seeing title bullshit stuff. It's not really about the organizations. And you, I look at how society has been viewed on Dallas and at these galas and as a role on the show. And I look at what Leanne and Deandra are fighting about. And Leanne used to fight with people about society, blah, 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 charity, like, you know, just those two words. It's like Sonia's Justad and blowout and whatever. Um, it's something that she keeps bringing on, bringing up over and over and over again. And I feel like that's essentially at the heart of what these two women are worrying about. Obviously, they've said stuff to each other. They've both been shitty to each other. Their partners, husbands have been shitty to each other as well. They're accusing each other of having affairs. Someone find Jessica. Like, really, please find Jessica and let me know what's up. Um, If she exists, which she might. I don't know. Um, But I feel like Leanne and Deandra are annoyed with each other because of things that they've said. But ultimately, it seems like what they're fighting about is the new society as it pertains to the show, a.k.a. who is the star, a.k.a. their fight last season, who is the quote unquote queen of our friend group, a.k.a. who is like the lead banana on this franchise. And it feels to me like Deandra has always led the way IRL for the last many years as a Simmons because she comes from a family with money, allegedly, who knows what's in that trust. But she was winning that game. She was winning that race. And then Leanne, you know, OG'd on Dallas and became a real housewife and a star, albeit on a new franchise that's still finding its audience, which is insane. It's so good. But I wonder what that um, meant for their relationship. I think that had Deandra started at the same time as Leanne, they probably would have been just as competitive. But because Deandra was kind of playing catch up to Leanne and Leanne has said over and over, I don't have money. I don't have money. I don't have money. Charity. I don't have money. Society. I don't have money. Checking account, whatever. It seems like Leanne is actually pulling ahead because now she has fame. So Deandra joins and Deandra brings with her, which I'm sure production loved as I do, the mo- the old school name, the money, the whatever. 
but she's not as famous as Leanne is and she's not the star. And I feel like underneath what they're fighting about now is still that kind of competition of like, who is actually the lead in this? Who owes who? Who's responsible for the show's success? And it's bubbling so um so close to the top of the surface with their interactions and their fights that I find that personally fascinating. Just as fascinating, Deandra and her fucking mother, Mama D. So first off, Deandra is poor. Nobody has told her that yet, but it's absolutely happening. Like she needs to apply for some sort of something sometime soon, or maybe Jeremy needs to start trying to sell some of those prints. I mean, it seems apparent that Mama D was only interested in giving up the company when she realized that she probably couldn't save it. It's not great that Mama D told their accountant um, not to tell her any information, although I was confused by it because isn't Deandra like she worked at the company? How does she not know the actual financial health of the company? What was she doing in her role Aside from starting, what is it? Good night, good morning, bad night, good morning, whatever the fuck. Um, and losing the like ingredient of green and green living. Um, I, it makes me confused as to like, Deandra, what I understand that maybe your mom was hiding stuff from you, which is obviously not great, but like, what were you actually doing day to day? It seems like a very small company. So, what the fuck was your role if you really didn't know all of this? I mean, it's definitely Shades of Succession, the best show ever, aside from anything on Bravo, like anytime. Um, because there's a little family dynamic on that too of like the dad in charge who's using money and power over his kids and is like hiding business information. I'm seeing shades of that with Mama D. Mama D does not come well off well in this premiere. She is fantastic television, more important to Dallas and I would say Mama Elsa was to Miami. I mean, she's really interesting. The fact that she is like, I care about the company, but not as much as the 60 grand, which I need for my housekeeper and to be in two country clubs. Like they don't have money. And the fact that Deandra is saying, I don't want to push it with my mom, even though she entrusted me to be a chief executive of this company and responsible for the future of it. But I don't want to anger her because she's in charge of my um, trust. Like, do you have access to checking the records of it and then she's like but it doesn't matter you know what's if there's stuff in it or not of course it matters your husband is a great photographer for fun and you are responsible apparently for being the breadwinner and by you I mean whomever is you know transferring money into your checking savings aka checking you we've seen the house tours on bravotv.com and seen the episodes um on the show where she's holding up $15,000 Valentino dresses or whatever on seasons past. And it's like, I wore this once too bad. I can't wear it again. I guess we'll have to set it on fire and make a s'more. Um, I don't, I don't totally understand her thinking, but I think she's so scared of going up against her mom that she distorts whatever her gut instinct is into being as passive as humanly possible. It is absolutely a thousand percent not going to work out in her favor if her mom is in charge of her trust until the day she dies and her mom is like what are you talking about I don't need that 60 grand I'm super rich but also I need that 60 grand okay bye what does that what does that mean for the money that you think you have coming to you to retire because she's almost 50 like Deandra's not close to retirement I mean as I look at the idea of retirement I would think she is 15 years away and the way she spends money 
and the way that she knows about the issues with business, if they are 90 days from closing up shop, I would be contacting whomever ASAP. It's not enough to say your mom is in charge of the trust until she dies. You need to hold her accountable if she's misusing that trust. Because if she dies and at the funeral, you find out you need to go on the dole, there are going to be serious issues with the rest of Deandra's life because she is not equipped for it. I look at Deandra and I sort of look at Shep, which is unfair to Deandra. But if they didn't have family money, where would they be? I mean, Deandra had a, I guess, a, I think a thriving political career in D.C. and did something for one of the Bushes, I think the first one um, in his administration, and came back to be at home and work on this company. But like you left that life to do this. I don't think this life is really working out for you unless you're able to really capitalize on your role on Housewives, which doesn't seem like you are. I don't quite know what's going to happen here. Obviously, it is excellent as a story arc. I am here for every second of it. I love um, weird, moneyed mother, adult child dynamics. I love when it's like, is there money? Is there none? I love all of that. I think it's really dramatic and actually like really real. I think Mama D has been siphoning off some cash money for a while probably. And so I think this would happen regardless of the show, but the show bringing it to life is fantastic to me. I'm I'm here for it all day. I don't know if I'm here for Carrie 2.0. How annoyed would I be if I was Carrie OG and found out I was um, being demoted and that a friend of mine was being promoted to my role and also she has the same name. It's like inadvertently shady. Um, Carrie 2.0, I, I don't, I don't totally get it, but like I have nothing against her and I don't know. She seems like she has a sense of humor. Um, and here we are. I was actually kind of um, uh, confused, but not in a negative way, if that makes any sense, about the energy from the Dallas premiere. It felt a little like kinetic, fun, quirky New York. It didn't feel like a Dallas opener. And again, that's not um, a critique. It was just sort of surprising to me. The spirit of it and the energy felt different from how Dallas has felt in the past. But I'm here for it. Do I think it's going to be the strongest season so far? I actually don't. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be like fine plus. It's definitely going to be better than anything OC has done in the last couple of years. Ditto probably Beverly Hills. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> Let's remove the, the probably. Ditto Beverly Hills. Um, I don't, though, have as high expectations as I have about some of their, like, seasons and moments past. Um, but I could be totally wrong, and I would love to be. And I know we're just getting started. Um, I wonder how drawn out the Deandra Leanne stuff is going to be. I would assume it's season long, but it doesn't seem like they're genuinely, like, open to being friends with each other and now sort of hate each other. And it's sad when you see, like, the photos of Deandra's wedding and Leanne truly was the maid of honor. And now it's like, holy shit, you guys don't even want to be filmed together. Um, did the show break them up? Were they going to break anyway? I have no idea, but I'm going to watch every episode. Also, what was the whole deal with Travis having a, a midlife crisis and he's working out a lot and manscaping and doing fun sports stuff? Um, I love Stephanie Holman. I love her with every fiber of my being. It, it continues to inspire me how great a business Travis is truly. I think he's great and good for him to go for going to like the Tyra Banks School of Harvard Business Summer 
I don't know, saga fun times where they, you get to say you go to Harvard, but it's like a three week management course, but like fun, that's great. But it's not like a real diploma, but like people pretend that they graduated from Harvard, but it's like you went to um, camp, but cute. It's like camp for rich people. Um, and that is amazing. And I guess academic, um, great at business. Maybe is something happening? Cause I don't think that's a great indicator when a man of a certain age, who's going through a quote unquote midlife crisis is um, changing his like body and stuff. And I love Stephanie. And so that's all I'm going to say. Wink, wink. Cause I think you guys know what I'm saying, but I don't want to actually say it out loud because I love her so much. Um, I, I, I hope it's, he's just, maybe he's just interested in his health. Listen, they live in Dallas. He's obviously he's jumping out of planes, you know, no big deal. You need to work on your cardio for that. And you're like, heart rate or whatever and um maybe he just wants to like take up tennis and manscaping maybe he just looked in the mirror one day and he was like you know here today gone tomorrow maybe i don't know i maybe he was inspired by you know dr duber's hair loss and felt like he should transfer that to his chest i don't know it's all very strange to me um but i wish them the best because i love them so much no matter their political affiliations i like genuinely enjoy them Um, so I'm going to hope for the best and segueing into Potomac, I watched Deandra and Candace, um, interact this season with their mothers. And I would love for them to like go to coffee one day and chat. Cause don't you think it's super similar that these women say that they want independence. And then, you know, in Candace's case, I want independence from my mother who pays my mortgage and also essentially my salary by supporting my businesses. So let me look at two and a half million dollar houses or whatever. Like, and Deandra doesn't want to help the business at risk of losing her trust which may or may not have any money inside of it and seems really devoted to being supported by her mom and like in a way that's super unhealthy at her age and stage in life and both of these women are in relationships with their mothers who can both be um, super emotionally manipulative to them and use money as the carrot that they dangle for power and control and it's just fascinating that both of these dynamics, which are so heightened, specific to Deandra and Candace, are happening on franchises that are airing at the same time. I would love to see them on Watch What Happens or like, I don't know, Barbara Walters come out of retirement or like wherever she is. Rest in peace. I don't know. Um, I would love to see them sit down and talk or just like be near each other. Like maybe the next time Andy has like a baby shower or something for... um little prince baby ben's uh future sibling they can like go in a corner and just like break it down i think it would actually be healthy for them mental health wise i mean listen i'm just here it's an sg of the ag app just to help that is what i do in life um what i can help uh is thinking how upset i am that next week is the season finale of potomac that feels like way too soon. I want this season to last forever. If they give Potomac a two-episode um, reunion and not seven or ten or thirty-five, I will literally murder someone. I will be not. I will literally, figuratively, <laughs> murder someone. I will be so deeply upset. I really can't even tell you. Um, 
And so I think about Potomac this week and I reached out to folks, to y'all, all of my beloved AGs. And I was curious for people who were team Ashley versus Karen in that epic fight that they had, because I watched that scene a couple times and was like, holy shit. Karen is exactly spot on. I think she said some things that were so fucking smart. Um, you know, she said dismissal is not vindication when it came to that court deal. She said contact without consent is questionable. She's saying things in such a succinct, smart way that need to be said. And then Ashley's response is like, are you saying the court didn't say he was innocent? And it's like, yes, that is exactly what she's saying. That is quite literally what she's saying that the court saying they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute does not mean it didn't happen. And it does not make sense that the audio that the show has that audio that doesn't involve Monique's cousin. That's like the legit audio. That's not questionable in any way is obviously something happening. Michael giggling the cameraman saying that's not okay. And then Michael apologizing That is super questionable. And the way that Ashley responds of like, how dare you? The court said it didn't happen. No, sweetie, that is not what happened. So I came out of that episode hard team Karen in this context, like hard. If there was a roller ball of truth, 3.4 milliliters, Karen is selling the fuck out of it. So anyway, I asked for people who are team Ashley to send me some team Ashley specific satchels and some satchels on the fight in general. And I got a team Ashley satchel from Julia in Cleveland. And she says, I just really don't like Karen. And I have a soft spot for Ashley because number one, she's a top notch housewives, one of the best in my humble opinion. Number two, she's being blamed for her gross husband. Like, yes, she should leave him, but her desire to have a baby far outweighed her desire to kick him to the curb. And number three, Karen doesn't like Ashley and used her being mean to Katie, which was not right on Ashley, to attack her. I don't think it was at all related to her sticking up for Katie. It was her opportunity to blame Ashley for her husband's actions. Plus, I think Karen is happy the focus isn't on her messed up home life and the perfume that has an empty bottle and maybe a rollerball somewhere, but plenty of parties in its honor. Listen, Um, I get what you're saying. I actually, though, think and listen, Karen is so extra. God bless her. She is like completely on another planet. Um, And is that planet in Virginia or Maryland? Who's to say? Um, But I do agree with Karen in this context. I have to tell you, I think that Ashley is such a great housewife. She really is. I think, sure, she's getting a lot of pressure because of her gross husband. And maybe in some circles, she's I haven't seen that, but I'm sure it's I'm sure people are blaming her for that behavior, which is insane to me. But she needs to take care of. Uh, Ashley needs to take responsibility for how she is staying by her husband and what she's doing. Like she is completely responsible for, for how and why she's defending him. You know, it's her choice whether or not she's desperate to have a baby with him versus someone else. And does Karen has, does Karen not like Ashley possible? Totally possible. Um, is Karen mad at um, Ashley for how Ashley brought up the IRS stuff and continues to do on the after show, which you can watch on YouTube or BravoTV.com. Sure. Um, 
is Karen doing this as an opportunity to blame Ashley for her husband husband's actions? I don't think so. I think what Karen is trying to do is bring Ashley to the light and be like, what you're saying right now is not correct. And I think Karen also feels the weight of the show and the cameras on her shoulders because she was so open about being a survivor of rape, sexual assault, like because she let people into such a really important, horrifying, but a moment in her life that she was able to survive and get through um, both the violence itself and the years long aftermath, which might still, you know, be ongoing. Um, I think she looks at this and she's like, it is not okay knowing the statistics that I know that I will reference about how rapes are reported and how many of them actually like go to court. It is not okay that you are saying the things that you are because you are continuing an untruth that hurts women. And I, she's saying it. And, and is there a part of Karen that's like, because you've been so shady to me before about financial stuff and house stuff and whatever else, I'm sure there's a little like, you know, the clink clink. I'm sure there's like a little part of it, but I genuinely actually am on Karen's side that in this scenario and in that fight, it was really about trying to teach Ashley or make her understand why her um, behavior and actions were wrong. I mean, that's just me. I don't know. I have another satchel of gold from Cali in Kansas City. I actually liked where Karen was coming from, but Ashley seems to think friendship means you have to believe Michael is innocent. Boom, Callie. She continues, Karen wasn't wasn't clearly saying, hey, Ashley, I love you, but I don't trust your husband. And the fact that Ashley didn't understand that people have difficulty trusting Michael is baffling to me. For real. Ashley seems to have a great memory when it comes to the Black Bill Gates and IRS and everything else that happens to Robin and Juan, everything else. But she struggles with the idea that Michael's record should matter. And that is fucking her up. I am curious to see how this will go down on the reunion because I truly do think that Karen can go up against Ashley. I really do. I think in this area and this subject, she is, Karen is in no way delusional. And honestly, like that delusion has sort of like, it's like a little trading places. Like it's, they've switched roles in that spot where Ashley is flying blind and it's not a clear path. Um, okay. Another satchel from Tyler in Austin. I'm team Ashley simply because I am super into Ashley. She is such a great housewife because she brings layers to the show. I may agree with Karen's thoughts on Michael. Oh, this is a fun name. This is a little Switzerland, but I don't think Katie should be off limits while also being allowed to start drama. Ashley has gone through a lot and you shouldn't dish it out if you can't take it. On your last episode, you said how Ashley was great for the show, but not one of the quote unquote greats of housewives. I truly think that that's an age thing. A true great is only someone with the right amount of age and gravitas that women like Karen, Giselle, Ramona, Sonia, and even Leanne can have. Ashley will get there. Listen, Tyler from Austin, you are spot on. I think that's eight. I, I That's totally it. I think that with um, age comes experience. And I think Ashley is obviously so important to Potomac. Can you imagine if she left? I would be heartbroken. She's so great on the show. She's so important. I fervently disagree 
with her when it comes to Michael. I'm almost angry about it, but I love her on the show. She's so great. And absolutely, she could be an OG. I think the problem is that, as you said, she's like 31. She does need to get some more life lived. She had obviously a very trying, tumultuous childhood and is still dealing with that as an adult. But she's very young, married to a much older man. So let's see when she's on husband number two or even when she has her own solo you know, turtle time. I don't know. I forget when that five-year clock um, is ticking. The one thing that I thought with this whole Katie leaving, um, I appreciated that they involved security being on camera. I appreciated that production was on camera. I appreciated that a producer was on camera. Everyone does seem confused and or nervous about being explicit about exactly what's going on, but it also seems like they don't know. I mean, the fact that Katie left and truly did not contact anyone. And the reason they knew she was at the airport was because of the travel agent that booked the tickets when she tried to find her flight. I mean, it's interesting to me. It feels like when I watched this and rewatched it and rewatched it again, when I watched this and I saw the aftermath of Katie leaving, I wondered to myself, is that what Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone thinks happened to her on Scary Island? Because Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone thinks to herself, hashtag systematic bullying. She thinks to herself, I left, I'm fine, everything's okay. But really what happened, But and everyone was bullying me, but really what happened was like she was asked to go by production because she was obviously unwell. It wasn't her choice. And then I look at Katie, which is entirely in uh, her choice. And you can genuinely say, I think that she was bullied or at least treated in a really hurtful manner, knowing what she was going through. Um, and that sort of triggered her leaving. Plus she's not feeling well. Plus maybe this is when she is, you know, when she was pregnant. So I look at that and I'm like, actually, this is like sort of the honest open version, like the yin and yang of Scary Island, where like this is someone truly leaving because they were bullied and weren't feeling well. And they left of their own volition. They left of such uh, their own accord that literally <laughs> they didn't tell anybody, which was not a great idea. And um, going back to one of the earlier satchels, is it fair that we can't talk about Katie's um, family stuff, custody stuff on camera. It's absolutely not unfair. It's absolutely not fair. It's totally unfair. But I think it's it's related to, you know, a gag order and or uh, she's just trying to protect what small amount of power she might have in that situation. It seems like she's really up against somebody with um, a lot of access and money. And he has, I guess, full custody of the kids right now. So for whatever reason, they're dancing around it. Or maybe they talked about it more on camera and the editors cut it out because of everything that we saw on her gram after. And they kind of wanted to protect a little bit of the show by not dangling too close to um, the water. And that water is a volcano. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about this week. I thought Potomac outstanding. So upset that next week is the finale. Need a rollerball ASAP. Dallas, good premiere. I don't know how I feel about the season. I am excited to watch every week the next day, 12 hours later. But I, I feel good about it. OC, you know, it's a thing. If you don't want to watch it, I'll talk about it every week. Um, I'll watch enough of it for both of us. Um it's happening. <laughs> it's almost done. I guess like 16 episodes to go or whatever. I don't know. Um, 
yeah, it was a, I think it was overall a good week for Housewives. I actually was also happy that Watch What Happens was on hiatus because I felt like it gave more time to really focusing on the franchises themselves. And it also gave me time to rewatch a lot of Below Deck. And I am so, so excited to kiki with um, Kate Chastain, star of Below Deck, amazing Bravo Leb. Uh, one of my genuine favorites. So look for that when I'm back from my trip. Oh my God, you guys, I'm going on a flight to Paris right after this and I have zero dollars. So I'm going to be eating gluten-free bread and walking along the sun. Is there any better place in the world to have zero dollars and go for a stroll than motherfucking Paris, France? So all that to say, you like the show? Slide into my um, Venmo DMs. Send me a dollar or, you know, 40 (laughs) And the name of your favorite housewife. Maybe make it like Potomac or Dallas theme. Like, who's your favorite on Potomac or Dallas? And if you don't watch Potomac or Dallas, or but you have a dollar, don't let that stop you. Um, follow me on social, Twitter at Sarah Galley, Instagram at Dame Galley. This was the second SG of the AG I have ever done. I'll do a little photo after. Um, guys, I'm so excited for my trip. And I'm so excited that I was... Um, able to connect with you guys this week because there was so much to say. I hope you liked this fun little sassy solo app. Let me know your thoughts and feels on the franchises. I do polls throughout the week, um, polls, questions. I love hearing from you. I'll answer some more satchels on Instagram after this episode goes up. So look for that today, um, Thursday and tomorrow, Friday on my Insta stories. And if you want to follow my exploits while I'm away, um, go to my highlights for my trip to Paris in May, where I walked up the Eiffel Tower and realized three steps in that I have a perilous fear of heights. Watch how that all went down and my adventures when I'm abroad. Maybe I will find a French noodle. Um, hashtag Robin, are you listening? Hashtag did you spoil what happened? Um, guys, so fun talking to you. Um, thanks for listening. And Au revoir, guys. Bye.